Bass Edge Radio. Commence broadcast in three, two, one. You're listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing coming to you nationwide from the Bass Edge Studios. What's up, what's up, Bass Edge Radio? We are dropping it like it's hot. That's right. Episode 276, March 15. Aaron, we are like pre-classic right now. Bassmaster Classic in the house. Hope y'all watched or are watching in between with Bass Edge Radio alongside with me and my buddy, Aaron Martin. Uh, Speaking of watching, I'm not sure what you've been watching or listening to, but I don't quite understand what you said at the beginning, but I'm rolling with it and hopefully (laughs) Bass Edge Nation will understand we are presented by none other than MegaWare Keel Guard. It's the original do-it-yourself keel protector, the only one designed exclusively for marine application with 3M adhesive. Don't be fooled by imitators ask for it by name megaware keel guard visit them at keelguard.com that's right protects your boat from grinding sand salt rocks and road debris get your keel guard thank you keel guard for being a proud partner of bass edge radio for so many years and the Bassmaster classic is upon us aaron what do you think is going through the competitors minds right now kurt Right now, they are finishing up practice. We're taping three days before the kickoff here. Starts on the 16th, so that's first competition day. Right now, you know, they're going through media. They're going through preparation with their equipment. They're going through patterns. And this classic at Lake Hartwell, we fished one there a couple years ago. Uh, Casey Ashley won it on the uh, drains with the spotted bass, primarily on the underspin kind of had that whole thing going on. We're in the middle of March. I fished an FLW tour at Lake Hartwell two years ago, about the same time. You could catch them almost any way you wanted. You could catch largemouth up the river. You could catch spawning largemouth all over the lake. Down Lake was still a little cooler. It's a deeper end of the, you know, it's deeper down there, so it takes a little longer to warm up, and you could catch tons of spotted bass down there. So you've got a lake that is very diverse in a time of year that leads toward diversity of behavioral patterns. So everyone should really be able to fish their strengths. The only thing I don't think you're going to see a lot of is that post-spawn stuff. It's just been too cool of a winter. We've had some warm-up here, you know, over the last couple weeks, but it's not like it's just been a crazy warm spell over the last 30 days or anything like that. So you've got fish in all stages of the game. It's going to be a shootout. The lake's fishing strong. Hartwell's got the bluebacks. The spots are big. The largemouths are very high quality. I feel like you're going to need a mixed bag. You're going to need some spots and some largemouth to play this game. It's really going to depend on how this weather really plays out over the next three, four, five, six days. We all want to trust the weather, man, but that's about the last thing you want to do, right? Yeah. Because uh, weather's always going to be changing. But um, man, I'm excited about this Bassmasters Classic. I like the fact that they've pulled it away from that February time frame. Man, I don't want to watch a guy fish when he's free 
freezing his butt off, quite frankly. You know, yeah. I like this more springtime stuff. I think it's better for the fans. It's better for everybody. And we're in the heat of the season, which what I mean by heat of the season is everybody's getting fired up about fishing. So um, I'm excited to watch the Bassmasters Classic for sure. And I think we got a little precursor from that Lake Lanier FLW Tour event of how this might lay out as well. Just removed, you know, a week and a half ago. So Hartwell, Lanier, fish very similar. Yeah, I completely second exactly what you said. Hopefully all the anglers have studied up on Dr. J. McNamara's The Psychology of Exceptional Fishing book because, as we know, controlling that space, the mental warfare that goes on between the ears, boy, that can make the difference between winning something like this. Uh, Sometimes it just comes down to that mental space. But uh, it's interesting. I'm going to be tuned in. My productivity tends to go down during the day because I'm kind of tuned in watching it on the Internet. But uh, regardless, it's an exciting time for all of us bass heads. And speaking of exciting time, we have an exciting protecttheharvest.com tackle tip coming your way right now. Today's protecttheharvest.com tackle tip with John Hunter. Hey guys, FLW Tour Pro, John Hunter. Want to talk to you all about springtime fishing. It's March, the fish are trying to do their thing. The water's warming up. It's in that 50 degree range and uh, we're getting out of the lake. We're starting to thaw out. We want to catch some bass. We go out there. What do we look for? Uh, My favorite thing to look for is what I call lead-in banks. So I'm going to fish points and lead-in banks. You're going to start on the points. You're going to fish, I call it a 50 in, 50 out you're going to fish the 50 out on the main lake or hit the point, work the 50 in. This is going to tell you where the fish are setting. And if they're on that lead-in bank on the inner side, just start running those lead-ins. Man, those are where those fish are going to be. They're going to start working the lead-in into the transitions to the shallower stuff, the spawning stuff. They're going to go from that steeper where it goes from steep to flat. So look for those kinds of banks. I personally like to put a 6-inch curve crankbait or a 6-inch provoke jerkbait in my hands or uh, pick up a jig with a BWA War Axe trailer and just go to work on on those banks and uh, really listen to the fish where they're at and uh, get a bite or two, let it clue you in and uh, cover some water and roll from there. Thanks, John. Great tip. First by land and now by sea. For years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high-performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic-Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and marine products. Visit lucasoil.com. Nitro Performance Bass Boats. Get pro-level performance with the Nitro Z18, the official boat of Major League Fishing. The Z18, with its nimble handling and versatility, sports many of the features in the larger boats in the line, like a Guardian Livewell, a heavily insulated cooler, dual 8-foot rod storage, and our smooth and fast NVT hull. Every Nitro boat is laid out to do one thing very well, catch fish. Enormous front decks up to 45 square feet on the Z21 allow maximum mobility when battling unruly bass and feature low-profile gunnels for ease of skipping, pitching, flipping, or landing fish. Nitro Performance Bass Boats, pure fishing machines. Well, Kurt, with 
with everything that has been going on, you know, show seasons, fast tournaments, weather warming, cabin fever kind of uh, subsiding, we really blew past your time overseas. And I'm talking specifically <laughs> about Japan. You got to give us a scoop. Yeah, man. I-, I had an amazing trip out there with Hayabusa Fishing. You know, as most everybody on Bass Edge Radio knows, I, I started working with this hook company, the number one selling bass fishing hook in Japan. Um, also, we have tons of saltwater products, sabiki and, and saltwater hooks, and um, lots of great products. You can check it all out at HayabusaFishing.com. But had the opportunity to go visit the factory in Hyogo, Japan, a region of Japan over there, which is just outside of Osaka. So also while I was there, got to go to the Osaka Fishing Show. I documented uh, most everything on my on my Instagram and Facebook account. So if you want to you know, do a little rewind as we are here today, you can go back through and look at some of the, the neat things. I, I got to say, super impressed. You know, it's just the Japanese culture. You see it in their lure making. You see it in their designs, their engineering. That's exactly what you think it might be is basically exactly what it is, Aaron. <laughs> they are just on point, uh, quite frankly. Ridiculous. Meticulous, great, very good word. Yes, very meticulous. Um, they got it together, man. They know what to do, when to do it, how to do it, and they do it with uh, extreme details. And, and that's what makes uh, a lot of their products so, very so successful. So, do you see that more as a result of culture, or is that more a result of because the fish are pressured, the water's clear, and it requires that, or is it a combination of both, or neither? I think it's a combination of both, Aaron. I, I think that you know it's certainly the culture there. First of all, I mean, you walk down the street in the middle of Osaka with, you know, millions of people living there. I forget the number, but it's crazily extraordinary. It is a concrete jungle, no doubt. And it is as clean as it can be. And there's no problems. There's very little crime. It's just awesome. People are super nice. I mean, you know, I was at the Osaka Fishing Show, as I mentioned, and uh, the show was jam-packed. It was awesome. So it's part of the culture is the way that that whole detail-oriented thing comes about. Um, And then, you know, being in the factory and seeing how the process is set up, very systematic, very systematic. Everything happens for a reason, very efficient, very effective. So, again, that's part of the culture. Now, you talk about making the product and why they make it the way they do. And, yes, I think they make it so detail-oriented because – they understand what the angler is trying to accomplish. So not only is it because of their culture that they have this you know, way of life that transforms into their product, quite frankly, is really, I think, what it is. Then they take these products and how they transform into how to best use them efficiently and effectively on the water. And that creates the engineering and the design process. Hopefully that answers your question on why I think that all comes together the way it does and why I believe their lure making, hook making in in Hayabusa's case and all of their products, even, you know, some might say Toyota and some of the other Japanese car manufacturers, some of the most reliable vehicles out there. And um, again, that's part of that culture. It's part of it's just their way of life. So it was a fantastic trip to be able to see everything. Went to a a town called Kyoto, got to see some temples and, and do a little bit of sightseeing for a day and a half before we, my wife and I flew back home. It was great. I got to spend all the time there with Rhonda, so she got to experience it. And uh, let me just say the Osaka Fishing Show. Let me let me throw this in here real quick. Jam freaking 
packed, dude. It reminded me of a fishing show in the U.S. in the late 90s when it was just everybody was on fire. And it's not because, you know, everybody says, well, Internet and all that has slowed the fishing shows and and because everything's available online and yada, 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 dude. It was jammed. They were fired up. Everybody wanted to see, listen, hear all the newest, latest techniques, products, what all the companies were doing for 2018. Probably like auditioning for American Idol or something, you know, wrapped around the trying to get into the place. <laughs> it was awesome, dude. It was just great. I don't know. I don't really know what else to say other than what a fabulous experience. And I hear that Japanese angling is on a slight decline. What we have been able to establish here in the U.S. with the high school fishing, college fishing, these types of programs for young anglers, I don't think they've been able to um, grasp or really put those programs into place there in Japan. Well, and that's where I wonder if the culture, you know, I don't want to turn this into a CNN show, political show, but I just wonder if that's where the culture maybe won't hold them back a little bit because at a young age within the Eastern culture, you're kind of put to your studies and your schoolwork and, and also looking at if it is a sport, then you're basically diving off into that to where I wonder if perhaps if the U.S. might not be a little bit ahead in that respect because now we have colleges that are offering scholarships to where you can intertwine those two. So it could be very interesting to see what develops if they're able to make that shift and enter into it in a younger space. I would agree. And that's something that needs to happen there because there is certainly some decline, although still very popular. Don't get me wrong by any stretch of the imagination. If you walked into a fishing show in the United States right now versus a fishing show in Japan right now, you would think bar none that Japan is just the most popular fishing place on earth. Yes, it's the (laughs) Alabama of the Eastern. (laughs) That's, That's exactly right. But yeah, there needs to be some adjustment there or some processes that's put into place in their culture where they can um, kind of nurture the programming of whatever it is. Maybe it's fishing, maybe it's, I don't know, you know, basket weed, whatever whatever it is that people want to do. But you're right. They are very education programmed as far as what the young kids are really focused on. And that's basically because those elders are pushing them in that direction. But I do see some changes. And, And if there's not, manufacturers there are going to struggle. So the more that a manufacturer there struggles with selling product in their home country, they are going to have to change some culture or change some focus, or this is not going to work. Their they're business gonna, model is the, going uh, away. They're going to have yeah. to do the uh, McDonald's yeah. strategy of putting fish and lures in Happy Meals, you know, somehow come yes. up with that. So, all right. Well, listen, uh, very, very enlightening information. Thanks for sharing that. And speaking of enlightening, we have an enlightening interview. Nice transition there. Coming up right here on the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. This is 2018 Bassmaster Elite Angler Chris Bro. This is FLW Cup Co-Angler Champ Brian News. I am Pro Angler Clark Reen. This is BASS Angler of the Year Greg Hackney. I am Pro Angler Bill Lowen, and you are locked in to Bass Edge Radio. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. KeelGuard keel protectors. 
Bass Edge Nation. Today we chat with a former BASS collegiate champion and now four-year BASS Elite Series Pro. And as of late, setting the tournament world on fire with seven of eight checks in his most recent BASS Elite Series events. Please welcome professional angler Matt Lee to the show. Thanks for joining us today, Matt. Absolutely. I like that intro. I might let you do that every time. I sounded, I sounded really good there. You make it happen. And so, you know, I'm just I'm just relaying the facts. But uh, look, you know, I'm not going to say that Mercer's job's in jeopardy, but if they need somebody, <laughs> just let them know I'm worth talking to anyway. Right. <laughs> All right. Deal. Deal. Got you. <laughs> well, Matt, considering how uh, you are kind of somewhat the rainmaker here in the last 18 months with a monumental turnaround on the national tour, I'm going to use the cliche term. What has been the secret to making the magic happen out there? on the water sure uh, get that question a lot and for me it's a combination of a lot of things we all know as bass fishermen that it'd be real easy if you could just uh write a book on you need to do x y and z and you're going to be all right um it, you know it's not always like that it's changing all the time big thing for me is one is, is learning how to practice and trust in your instincts um, and that's easy to, you know, sometimes your instincts can lead you astray and sometimes they really help you out. For me, it's a combination of, of that and the first couple of years, you know, you're kind of getting, there's no, you kind of, you're getting thrown to the wolves when you're fishing the lease <laughs> series and, um, you're going to a lot of lakes you've never been to before, and these guys have been to uh, a bunch of times. So that, that makes it tough off the start. And then I started to go to lakes like Champlain, St. Clair, I've been to before, and have a lot more confidence before I show up that, hey, I know how to fish these kind of lakes. If you've never been to those lakes, you're from Alabama. A lot of those lakes are, are different base. You know, a lot, a lot of lakes we go to, you can relate to something you've seen, but some are just by themselves in a different world. Uh, another key thing for me is I knew going into it, my brother was going to be a special angler. Uh, I knew what kind of fisherman he was, and it was for everybody else to find out. But it's really tough to, I, I talked to Davey Hyde a little bit in, in practice throughout the year last year. Uh, just imagine if you're going to Kentucky Lake and you're rooming with Kevin Van Dam and you're going out and you're fishing the bank, you caught some decent ones, you come in to go to bed that night and Kevin's there telling you about how he's crushing them on a 6D, you know he's probably not going to struggle. So if you're Davey Hyde, are you going to go out and stick to the bank deal or are you going to go out and throw that 6XD? And that's kind of, in a nutshell, what I was facing with Jordan. I, I would practice, then I would got kind of let off on whatever he was chasing and go try to catch him on that in that area of the lake. And you realize that guys catch him all over every lake we go to, all over the place, from right beside the boat ramp to 100 miles away. You have to figure out what works for you. And uh, I've been trying to follow that and practice smart, uh, put myself around the most fish I can, and good quality fish, you know, like anybody would try to do, and, and it's worked out. So it, it's been a good end of last year, and starting off on a good note this year makes me really excited for the Classic. Well, it's got a lot of people excited watching you too, Matt. It's awesome to see this. I don't know that it's a progression, but it's just a, a change in, in performance. You know, not not that you're, you know, like you mentioned, you're not a different guy or you're doing some crazy secret. It's it's just that you're out there doing your thing, and, and it's working for you. So it's 
it's fun to watch and it's 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 uh, it's rewarding to watch because quite frankly it gives some guys that that have struggled in the past too it gives them a chance to see somebody overcome those struggles and say hey Matt Lee can do it maybe I can Absolutely. follow in his footsteps you know and, and that kind of thing and I, I really I, re- I want to touch base real quick on something you just mentioned and that was about how diverse people catch fish you know it's not well if Jordan comes in or Van Dam like the example you gave came in and told Height well I've been catching him on a six XD does he run out there and catch them on a 6xd and you talked about guys catching them from 10 feet from the boat ramp to 100 miles from the boat ramp and i think that goes into the same category as guys are catching fish from one foot of water to 60 foot of water and it doesn't matter what time of year it is there's a thousand ways to catch these freaking things and you have really dialed in just the confidence and the mojo quite frankly i mean it's not a luck deal it's a feeling it's something that you start riding this wave and and you're riding the wave really strong and i think the more more you ride it, the easier it is to stay on top of it. So I think that's been awesome to watch. And, and one of the reasons we really wanted to have you on Bass Edge today. So it's it's great talking to you and having you here and being able to translate that for all of our listeners. Now, sorry to absolutely. go on a, a tangent there, but I thought that was really important. No, no, absolutely. You hit the nail on the head. That's why we all bass fish. It's that feeling you get when everything's going right. I joke about it a lot of times as fishermen. We all know we go out a lot of times and don't get a whole lot of bites and we're fishing for fish a lot of times that are are two and three pounds and you think about it in all reality that's a pretty small fish i mean we've got these giant boats and we go out there and we're just we're just trying to get a bite but yeah we'll go out there and spend weeks on end drive across the country and a lot of times we don't catch much but it's always the couple times we do that keep you coming back and it's just a it's an awesome sport that we fish. And, and back to what you originally said, I get messages all the time that say, hey, I'm going to Sam Rayburn. He probably do too. I'm going to XYZ Lake that I probably, you know, don't even fish that much. What do I need to be doing? Right. And a thing that a lot of people don't realize is we don't have the magical you know, written down like, they're definitely going to be on a jerk bait. You need to try it, throw it. I mean, it, it, we figure it out when we go to these places. I mean, we wing it as much as everybody else. The difference between a professional and somebody that's just an amateur is the amount of time it takes you to figure something out. And I tell everybody, you know, my dad's a veterinarian. He could spay a dog with his eyes closed. Mm-hmm. So you're fishing against guys that have fished for little green bass for 30, 40 years. I mean, they're pretty good at catching those little green bass. <laughs> that's right. And so, that's right. you know, that that's what separates them is they spend so much time time on the water they can relate every scenario to something they've previously seen or encountered it and that's what makes things the wheels click so there's no magic solution when you get out in the lake i mean every time it's different you could go to gunnersville right now and i wouldn't tell you where to fish it changes every week with rain high water grass a lot of times that even hurts you you just have to relate it to something you you've done and we go out and just try to unlock the puzzle like everybody else you go out, you fish the bank for a while, you don't get bit, you work out a little bit deeper, and then you end up catching them really deep, and like you said, somebody wins it on the bank. Well, you just didn't find them. But that's what keeps us at it. It's such an interesting sport, and it's good to have a little mojo right now. I'm not going to lie. That's right. You're getting ready to prepare for your first classic as a pro. You fished the classic through the college when you won the BASS Collegiate yeah. Championship. So this isn't your first rodeo, but it is, in a sense, maybe your first first experienced 
rodeo. And you were able to really spend a lot of time last year at the Classic down in Houston, kind of watch what your brother did, how that whole thing went down. How has that experience that you had as a collegiate angler and then now last year kind of being next to your brother for the event and seeing how that unfold, how do you prepare to become the next Classic champion? If that doesn't make you hungry to win one, there's nothing that will. I mean, from going to fishing as a college kid, not doing well, wanting to get back, and, and like everybody knows, it's so tough to make it even. And then for your brother to win, you want to win it. And I, I'm full reality that, you know, things have to go your way for you to win that tournament, especially sure. on a lake that you're not super familiar with. But, you know, Gerald Swindle was fishing Red Man's back there in 98, you know, and I was barely in PK4. <laughs> but, you know... It gives me a lot of confidence. When I go out last year and have those top 12s, all of a sudden from, you know, trying to cut checks and all that, you're like, I could win easily. It, you know, when you have top 12s like that, it gives you the confidence that you can win a tournament. But it, it's amazing, too, that even some of the best anglers go forever without ever making a top 12. You know, I think Edwin Evers never made a top 12 last year. It was like sixth or fifth in points. That's incredible. But... Back to the classic, um, the first time I fished it, it, it's so different for a college angler. You know, everybody wants the college kid to do well, but you're talking about a kid that devotes half his time to school, that's just finished high school, he's in college, he's got a lot of things going on. And like for me, you know, I had tests and exams that I had to come back after the classic and take, and you're you're trying to get enough time off from school just to go practice. Where now, in the mindset that I am, I do this for a living. I do nothing but devote my time to thinking about Lake Hartwell. And when you're 21 years old, it's tough to do that. And I think I think you see a lot of success from young guys now, like Wiggins, Connell, Jordan. Their mindset, if you've ever met them, is a very much chill mindset. They don't get too worked up about much. And I think you almost have to have that to have success as a young angler or a college angler fishing the classic. Because it's so easy to get caught up in everything that's going on. I'm very much not that person. I'm a type A. My stuff's really neat. I'm getting to the Classic two days early just to chill and hang out. Williams is going to drive up to the Classic two hours before practice starts and just go out there and start fishing. (laughs) And that almost helps you because you just don't. It's not like you don't care, but it's just that mindset. You know, everybody's got those people that just, like, drive around with their gas light on all the time in their truck, and they don't even care. And me, it never gets below half a tank. Sometimes it's a lot easier for those people that just drive around with their gas light on because they just, you know, they just don't don't fret about it. They're just not worried. I get the half tank or three, you know, quarter tank left, and I'm like, okay, I got to get the pullover, do do my deal, or my stuff all dress right dress, make sure everything's pretty need i know exactly where everything is i and i got buddies that they've got stuff in the bottom of their boat from two years ago and they tie it on and catch fish with it i'm like what the hell is that <laughs> it's almost easier for those guys because they're not out there cleaning their stuff up to midnight like every time we go somewhere i'll be the last one sitting out messing with stuff for pretty much no reason cleaning the boat wiping it down and it's like i just spend so much time doing that stuff that i know in hindsight really doesn't matter that much because I see all these other guys around me catch them, but it's just how I'm wired. I just function better like that, just like you. And 
it's still, you look at Aaron Martins, he stays up till 5.30 in the morning every tournament morning, barely even goes to sleep, and he's one of the best in the world. So it works both ways, but it does make it a little bit harder for us little paranoid people about our stuff. But switching gears, you had Jordan win the Classic, and that was a crazy deal because I was there working, of course, and, you know, he's not going out expected to win the last day, and you start getting reports from people walking around the expo that your brother's catching them, and, you know, I'm not real surprised, as bad as that sounds, but at the same time, for him to come back like he did, it was a totally different kind of win. It would have been totally different if he would have been leading going in the last day, and you're expecting it at takeoffs, and then he comes in and wins than to come back from way down the leaderboard and win like he did. It was just a blur, the whole thing. But it motivates you, you know. I know my brother's going to, he had a bad tournament at Martin, but he's going to hold his own, and it's up to me to kind of keep it going, you know. I mean, uh, he wants to win his second one this time, but, you know, I think really if I could come through and win the Stars lineup, it would really cement both of us as really our names and our brand. I mean, that's huge for you as a professional fisherman. And so uh, him winning the Classic did a lot for both of us, you know, of course, notoriety-wise, but I, I want to win, too, definitely. So everything's got to line up, but I'm super excited about it. I'm glad it's not going to be freezing, even though I like to fish that way, because it takes a lot of that local advantage. If you've ever been to Hartwell, it's an absolute monster, and there's no way. I mean, I rode around for like seven, eight days out there didn't even see three-quarters of the lake. It's unbelievably big, so you know a couple little hidey hole pockets that they get in like Casey has before those are tough to find and those fish aren't scared to get out there super deep in those trees and timber we've seen that before and it's just hard to find and, and uh, they know finding the best pocket on the lake if they are shallow is going to be equally as hard but at least you know that they're up there where you just there you either get them to bite or you don't. I mean, you're casting around them. So super excited, and I'm ready to get it started. We're excited to get it started. Do you find it as a help or an advantage by having, you know, your brother or sibling there on tour with you? And, and maybe what are some of the pros and cons? It's definitely an advantage. You know, when you're fishing against 110 guys, having people that you trust is number one. And having people you understand, too, like... I know if Wiggins tells me he's whacking them, it doesn't necessarily mean he's on the tournament winning fish. But if Jordan Lee tells me he's whacking them, he might be on the tournament winning fish. Um, understanding your buddies, knowing that you have people around you you can bounce ideas off of. A lot of these places are so big that you're really going out by yourself and not having anybody else to talk to about stuff, it makes it that much harder to figure out what's going on on the lake. So having my brother and having somebody you can trust, it helps a lot. But, I mean, there's not really a lot of cons to it, except for the fact that I get congrats winning the Classic about three times a week. Um, but I learned pretty quick just to roll with it. I tell them they were, they were <laughs> chewing that jig up on day three and just roll with it. And they never even know. They'll tag me on Instagram. I actually tag Jordan in a picture of me and he'll be out on the lake and just get a notification he was tagged in a photo and it's a picture of me. That never gets old. So it's old. a lot easier just to roll with it. So I absolutely do. I get it all the time. Congrats, man. Congrats. And I'm like, thanks, dude. It was an awesome feeling, you know, knowing good and well. I didn't, I wasn't even in the tournament, but 
Fake it till you make it, right? Oh, I love it. That's classic. I, I really like that. <laughs> One more quick question before we go to break. That's funny stuff. You know, you're very close when you're talking about social media. You know, you talk about Jesse Wiggins just a little while ago. I know you and Kelly J are always horse around with one another and, and having a lot of fun. You're close with several of the elite guys. You know, you're out on the, you mentioned Swindle earlier. You guys often go out on Gunnersville and, and hang out and do some stuff. But um, how does that translate into competition? A lot of people don't understand or, or don't really have that experience to go into a national tournament competition and you got buddies and, and you got your brother in your situation, you know, and you're having this success and you're really, you know, I, I think pushing your fishing to a, another level. Like I said earlier, it's exciting to watch, but is there a line drawn between your friendships and, and how you work that in national tournament competition days? If you can just kind of explain that and relate that to the listeners. Sure. With my buddies, my brother, my buddies that are close to me, like the ones you mentioned, they're good enough friends. That we don't mess with each other. We really not catch them and just me pull in because Gerald's catching them in the Saginaw River and he's on the third pocket on the left and it's the best one there is and I, you know I, I'm not catching anything so I think I'm going to run up there and try it you know we're good enough buddies we don't have to worry about that and it really to me it doesn't do me any good for one of them my brother Wiggins Kelly anybody to tell me hey second bridge up the river they're really biting a crankbait and, you know that doesn't help me out at all but the fact that you know hey I actually got a bite on the main river or you know i just caught a big one out deep that's the kind of deal that you need to clue you in a little bit faster and you got to be able to take it for a grain of salt somebody at the classic could be in second place fishing in 25 feet of water and the guy that wins it's in two feet of water um and you understand that the more you fish that just because your buddy has got a couple of big bites out deep don't drop everything that you got and go fish out deep the rest of the time it's easy to get sucked into that because you're not getting bit and he's catching them but who knows the next place you roll up you might start catching them shallow so you shoot ideas off each other but you gotta trust yourself too so it's a fine line but when we're fishing we're fishing against 110 guys um you know if any of those guys win and I come in second it's okay you know I mean if they beat me straight up then I'll, I'll take it but uh we all want to win. We all want to get first place. That's what we're out there for. But, you know, you got your close buddies that kind of help shoot ideas off each other. Sure. And you you want to see everybody be successful. That makes perfect sense. Absolutely. Hey, Matt, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to be right back with more. Bass Edge Radio with BASS Elite Angler and 2018 Bassmaster Classic competitor at Lee. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the PowerPole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Bass Edge Radio presented in part by Mercury Outboards returns with 2018 classic competitor and BASS Elite Series angler Matt Lee in our Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. That's right, Lucas Oil high-performance marine products from real oils to two-cycle outboard oil that surpasses all manufacturers' requirements. Be sure to check them out at BassEdge.com store. It 
works. All right, Matt, here we go. You're at the Classic. People are listening to this thing, hopefully rooting you on and watching Bassmaster Live and all that good stuff. And they're going to be itching to get out and catch a fish themselves after they see all this action. So when you're looking for that pre-spawn, spawn behavior here, you know, middle to late March, what kind of patterns are going to set your tone for a strategy to target the five biggest bass stringer you could catch? It's really hard, just like we began talking about, where you're trying to write everything down to success. You're trying to write it down and make a book out of it. How you follow X, Y, and Z, you end up being successful. It's the same way in catching fish. You really can't write it down as to you need to go out there and target secondary points. That's going to be the deal. you got to figure it out every time you're on the lake, but you know, a lot of times, wherever you're going, you're thinking about spawning fish are going to use big, shallow areas. You know, largemouth bass are going to spawn in that shallow six foot or less, usually. And you're looking for areas where they can really pull up, use some kind of cover to spawn. You know, looking at a lake map in general, you can find those areas or just some areas you think look like could be good spawning areas, and the fish shouldn't be far behind. You know, they're looking for shallow bays. They're not out in the current. They're not in deep water. You know, and water camp is the biggest factor to me. I mean, we've seen fish pull up on Gunnersville this February that we've not seen ever before. So that all has to do with water temperature and the warmer weather. Water temperature is the number one factor. When they get in that 60-degree range, they're starting to think about spawning. And then before that, then they're kind of done spawning. And when you start seeing fry around and the water temp gets up closer to 70 and you're in between moons or, you know, they're more in a post-spawn. And that's a key factor. I mean, I, I would have water temperature. All those big, fancy graphs don't need them as much, but you need a little water temperature gauge because that's going to tell you a lot when you just get to a place and launch your boat for the first time in a long time. You bring up a really good point there you know as far as water temperature and and the focus on spawning you know sometimes when you arrive at the lake and it's this time of year those fish are more concentrated on the whole reproduction phase than what they are eating and i was just going to say how is it that you kind of combat that to you know turn them into biting the end of your hook there so that you can get actually get them in the boat sure so when they do go on bed and start spawning for instance, day one Bassmaster Classic, when I watch the boat, I'm turning on my graph and I'm looking at water temperature. And that's going to tell me, if it gets super cold and the water temperature falls, then I'm going to say, oh, you know, it's going to be tough to catch them. If it's warm, then I'm going to know they're probably moving to the bank. And when they get up there on the bank, like you said, they're not really trying to eat. But they can be very territorial. But they're also really smart. You know, on a lake like Hartwell, you got a lot of clean water. Those fish know that you're coming for a long ways off, so you have to be super stealthy. I went to pre-practice not too long ago on the Sabine River. You can't even see two inches in the water. You know, the fish can't see you coming quite as good. So it is different everywhere you go. But those fish get territorial, you know, especially the smaller males. You know, you seem to catch a lot more of those smaller fish when they pull up. Whether you're at Okeechobee, Hartwell, Sabine doesn't matter. The males are getting really territorial trying to stake their ground. But that's one time of year when you're really using a lot of like uh, Texas rig plastics or you're using on a spinning reel, some kind of soft plastic. You're trying to get something that'll stay in their area where they don't want you 
for a long period of time. You can still get reaction bites, but you know, a lot of times you do have to aggravate those fish or keep a bait around that they don't want there. And uh, just like you're sight fishing, but you're not really looking at them, if that makes any sense at all. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Actually, you broke down another question that I had for you about, um, you know, what are you really looking for when you launch the boat? Obviously, water temp, you're looking at moon phase, all those things that you just mentioned. The difference between, obviously, you mentioned this as well earlier about the experience of, of a guy that's out there fishing every day versus, you know, the weekend angler. When the weekend angler goes out there, they just don't have that time and adjustment period that we have spending three, four, five days of practice on a lake or in competition. How do you think the mentality of the weekend angler can be more successful when they launch their boat and just have maybe five or six hours after they cut the grass or before they do other chores to be successful on a body of water? Is it something where they've got to lean on those techniques that they are just super comfortable with? Or do you suggest that they just kind of go around and just like, you know, some of our other friends that just kind of wing it and and they don't really have a big plan when they hit the water? How do you feel like some of those guys can be more successful? Sure. It's the cool thing about fishing, too, is if you get done cutting your grass and you just want to go out throwing around, you don't have to use your mind at all. You can launch the boat, take your rods, chill. I mean, that's what my dad likes to do. You know, he, he, when he gets time away from the office and wants to go fishing, he doesn't think about, oh, I need to switch up, throw this bait or this bait. He just grabs a rod and starts chunking around and see what bites. But if you want to go out and catch more fish, be more successful, it requires, you know, I tell people that a lot in practice for an Elite Series tournament, three days, daylight the dark. Fishing is not very a strenuous sport, you know. I mean, if I had to run five miles right now, it would be a bad deal. I'm not, you know, I'm... <laughs> I'm not really out of shape. I'm a skinny guy that's not in shape. Let's say that. But the thing that gets you about fishing is the mental layer of being out there using your head for so long. When I launched the boat at Lake Harwell, it's easy for me to pick up a spinning rod and go burn down the bank and throw it for eight hours and see what bites my cricket and come and weigh them in and be done with it. But the guys that are really good are the ones that are always thinking about what are they doing. And we've seen it from like Van Dam, the best ever, time and time again on, on little adjustments that he makes that are the right decision. That's the difference there is that his mind's always thinking. That's the whole trick about bass fishing is to pick up on every little thing that's going around. Joe and I talked about it before. We go fishing with people a lot of times, and it's easy to just go casting. But the guy that pays attention to details is the person that's going to catch them. It's the guy that launches his boat, and instead of launching his boat and pulling up to the dock and grabbing a cup of coffee, the guy that launches his boat looks, sees the water temp so-and-so, the water color's changed a little bit, there's a little bit of pollen, it came up three inches, that's the guy that you got to worry about. The guy that's been catching them off shallow wood and he's running down the lake and instead of just running down the lake he looks over in a pocket and he's looking for laydowns and he sees one and runs over there and catches a big one. That's the guy you got to worry about. The guy that's thinking all the time and you know is not scared to just throw in the towel and make a change midday. The one thing is we notice fishing all the time weather plays a huge factor in fishing and you'll be in 
that area and be really catching them on a swim jig one day, and you go the next day and you know that you didn't even hurt them, you're going to crack them on a swim jig, go in and you can't get a bite on a swim jig. The guy that keeps throwing it all day is not really the guy you got to worry about. It's the guy that switches it up to a buzz bait and then catches them even better than he did the day before. That's the dude you got to worry about. So the biggest thing I can say from a professional to a weekend angler is the attention to detail. Even the guys like Wiggins that'll show up morning of practice and go out there just watch the boat, I promise you his mind's always churning. And even though it's, you know, he might pick up a bait off the floor of the boat and catch him that's been sitting there two years, he knows that that bait will work in that scenario. And that's what makes him good. That's what makes all these guys good. Matt, that is outstanding advice. And, and I couldn't agree more. You know, you got to keep the mind moving and that's going to put a lot more fish in your boat. And for right now, talking about boats, we are going to go to our listener question segment. This listener question segment is brought to us by Nitro Performance Fishing Boats. And today's question comes from Ryan Ball. Ryan asks, what advice do you have for me since I'm looking at purchasing my first bass boat this spring? It'll be a used boat, but I'd like to be sure I'm considering all the variables that are important to an experienced angler. Absolutely. One question you get asked a lot. Sponsors, boats, as far as boats go, you know, I'm partial. I just switched to Yamaha. I'll be a salesman for a second, not even trying to be. This is not a shameless plug. But not putting oil in my motor is worth its weight in gold to me. Now, for your average recreational angler, all the boat brands are so nice. I run a Ranger with a Yamaha on it, and they're all so nice now. The new boats, the slightly used boats, they're all just can get the job done. I mean, it depends on where you're fishing, how much you're going to travel. If you're fishing the same lake at the house every day, you don't need the brand new boat. I've got all the gears, gadgets, big screens, but I fish all over the country. I do it for a living, so it makes sense for me to have it. But if you're just fishing the local lake or the local couple lakes, you know, you don't need all that. You don't need four 12-inch grass. You don't have to have it. If you've got the money, great, fine, but it's not something that's not a necessity. Guys have caught them with a lot less. So for me, you know, you want to find the boat that the older man retired, bought him a bass boat, took it out four times, never really uses it, so he's getting rid of it. Because that's going to be the motor with the less amount of hours on it. Boat's super taken care of. He wipes it down every time he gets off the water. And there's a lot of them out there. You know, you're trying to save money to a recreational angler or a guy that's getting into more bass fishing. So you want to find a good deal. You know, this doesn't matter if you're shopping for boats or golf clubs. You know, there's good deals out there to be had. You just have to wait on the right one to show up. You know, if you want to learn how to use your electronics more, get one with a couple of nice graphs on it that you can learn how to use. If that's not your thing, then you really don't need them and don't spend the extra money on them. But as far as motors go, you know, it's just like a buying a car. You buy a car with 150,000 miles on it and, you know, you're more likely to have something happen pretty soon, you know, where you have to fix it. Where if you buy a boat that doesn't have any hours on it, then you're in a lot better position. Granted, you could buy the brand new car, drive it off the lot, and it break down on you, and the boat might do the same thing. But, uh, you know, I would feel a lot better about getting a boat. It doesn't matter what year. It could be a 94 or a 2008, just as long as you feel like it's reliable. 
because you don't want to sit in the shop more than it does on the water. Yeah, that's great points there, Matt. And, you know, just to kind of tack on to what you said, define that budget, right? Wouldn't you think, I mean, don't put yourself in a pinch to where you're stressed about making your next boat payment so that when you are on the water, you can actually get out there and enjoy the fish. And then also just to kind of add to your point, speaking about the hours, you know, most of the motors can be plugged into and have the hours checked to see how many real hours are on that motor versus somebody saying, you know, well, there's 200 and there's really, you know, 500. So very, very good advice. And Matt, just want to thank you for answering that question. But Ryan, certainly thank you for sending that in because if you're thinking it, chances are most other people are as well. But we need one more piece of information from you and that is your mailing address. And you can do that through our social media. Send us an email at support at BassEdge.com or certainly log on to BassEdge.com and click that claim your prize tab and we will get out that gift card to you. And as always, a continued reminder to Bass Edge listeners, send in those listener questions to support at BassEdge.com or leave us a comment on our Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram page. Well, Matt, certainly appreciate you carving out time right here before the classic to catch up with all of Bass Edge Nation. Any thoughts as we get ready to close this down? Um, super excited. I'm glad. I'm excited for warmer weather. Excited to fish the classic and the rest of the year. It's been a lot of off time, and you know it's about time to get the ball rolling. Well, I'm not going to spend much time at the house, and I'm excited for it. When you're done with the tournament season, you're ready to take a break for a minute. But this time of year, you're ready. I'm ready to go. I mean, I'm going to fish a tournament every week, so I'm I'm so excited for good things to come. Fresh year, fresh start, and uh, we'll see how the classic goes. But I'm expecting good things. Well, we're going to be looking for good things out of you, Matt. We're going to send you off with a little segment we've got four last questions for you y'all ready for this i think that's the beginning of a song y'all ready for this can you uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> all right anyway the remaining event you're most looking forward to after the classic in 2018 oh me most looking forward to you know st lawrence river is, is special for me even though i didn't have great success there um wisconsin both lacrosse and st lawrence just because the fishing's so good and st lawrence is special i got engaged there last year and then lacrosse wisconsin is a gorgeous place and, and the fishing's awesome and you're still fishing vegetation which i love so those two places right down your alley okay what lake would you retire on and why you know i'm partially gunner's well i've always grown up uh it's not near the lake it used to be but you can see this spring has kicked out big weights and i, I love it abby and i both love that area and I would live there. But my favorite lake, other than that, is Champlain. It's an awesome, awesome place. You can catch smallmouth and go right to the bank, catch big, largemouth back and forth. It's awesome. That's cool. I got to throw in a plug real quick. Just a couple weeks ago, Derek Remich crushed 30 pounds on Gunnersville, so it was awesome to see the old Wolverine back in action down there kicking some butt. Absolutely. <laughs> I heard tidbit. I heard Gerald Swindle watched it go down, too. So. <laughs> oh, very cool, very cool. All right, and uh, so third question, what's your favorite movie? Uh, I love watching movies, but if I had to pick a favorite, mm, mm, mm. I don't know favorite right now, but like, you know, I'm into comedies and like war movies, action movies. Anything with action, comedy, I I love. Swindle told me you're anticipating the upcoming release of Mamma Mia. (laughs) Um, not so much Mamma Mia. <laughs> favorite, I've got a favorite, favorite TV show right now is The Blacklist. If you haven't watched it, good stuff. All right. Bass Edge Nation, we're going to have to check out The Blacklist. So, finally, you've got the crystal ball. Who's going to win the 2018 Bassmasters Classic at Lake Harwell? Uh, you know, I'll pick myself. 
I'm going to be uh, feel good about it. I'm going to say I'm going to win it. I'm going to give it a all. But if I had to pick somebody else, I would say John Cox. Sleeper pick, uh, kind of, because he's not, you know, he's not a lead series guy, but he's not definitely not a sleeper pick. But just his history on the lake and his success, he's going to be up there. So, fantasy pickers, if you've already got me on your team or don't like me, whatever, <laughs> John Cox would be a good one to pick. I think that's actually a great pick. Very good on you, man. That wouldn't have been the first name off my tongue, but now that you say it, I think I like it. John Cox for the win. <laughs> there it is. He's going to be fierce to reckon with there. I would agree. Well, Matt, man, it's been awesome having you on the show. Thank you so much for hanging with us here at Bass Edge Radio. We are going to be right back after these messages. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the PowerPole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong current or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. KeelGuard keel protectors. Heard it wasn't too long ago we were talking about kind of the, I think it was with Hunter Shryock that uh, we were talking about anglers having brothers or siblings on tour, yeah. and, and yet yeah. we come across another one. Lots of them out there now. It's uh, it's pretty crazy. So um, it's actually really cool, too. I think Matt hit the nail on the head. It's uh, great for their branding, and it's great for them to be able to, you know, kind of work together, travel together. And bottom line is, you know, when, when you've got some siblings growing up and they're into bass fishing, they learn rapidly together. And I think that's what's made a lot of these siblings successful, whether it's, you know, Bobby and Chris or Hunter and Fletcher or Jordan and Matt. I feel like I'm missing another one out there. But uh, anyway, it's awesome to see. So really enjoyed Matt's interview. I do have to say one other thing before I'm ready to let everybody go is that last 12 months on Bass Edge Radio have been really enlightening to me because we are speaking to a lot of different anglers, you know, a lot of first time guests, Hunter and Matt, for example, you know, and um, John Hunter and Hunter Shryock. So all three of those guys, I said Hunter and started thinking about John and Hunter himself, but uh, it shows that there is kind of a changing, you know, in the angling world and and there's a lot of new young blood coming in. And it's great to talk to these guys, kind of get their perspective and see where they came from and where they're going and what kind of makes them tick. Because as I mentioned, I think it was in John's interview, the last episode is we get the questions all the time, like, how do I make this happen? How do I become a professional angler? And you hear all these different stories and the way that they've made it happen and, and all these new young anglers that are in the game at the top level. It's exciting and it's fun to get to know new people. You know, bass fishing, to me, it seemed like for so long was just, I don't want to say it was repetitive, but well, yeah, there's, there, no, there was only a lot so of many things, only yeah. so many times you can ask and nothing against these guys by all means, but there's only so many times to cover Kevin Van Dam or Mike Iacalli yes. because yes. it's the story that makes them who they are, right? And that's, that's kind of why what we like to 
tie into Bass Edge. That is 100% correct. And so we've heard a lot of new, fun, interesting stories lately. And um, I think the trend will continue and it makes it exciting. So it's been great. I've really enjoyed it. I agree. Uh, it's fun stuff. And after, uh, Kurt, you can attest to this, but being in our 276th episode, it's very, very encouraging and makes our job a lot of fun to be able to cover these these new voices and up-and-comers. And really, they're not up-and-comers anymore. They've arrived and they are there. Yeah. And speaking of there, we have reached uh, kind of the end of our show, but I do want to encourage all of Bass Edge Nation, be sure to stay abreast of everything Bass Edge. Check out BassEdge.com where you can find the latest articles and videos and certainly through shop at BassEdge.com, the Lucas Oil Products, the MegaWork Guard, Jay McNamara Psychology of Exceptional Fishing Book, DVDs, all of that type of stuff. And if that's not enough, by all means, be sure to check out our social media pages through Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That is a wrap for Kurt Dove. I am Aaron Martin, and we look forward to joining you right here April 1st on episode number 277. So long, everybody. Edge is presented by MegaWare Keelguard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com and be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge, brought to you in part by Nitro Boats, Lucas Oil, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Mercury Marine, Lawrence Electronics, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com. 